Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hey guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting, joined as ever by my two trusted sidekicks, Tom Love and Will Dyer. Guys, it's been a really busy week. We've had Cheltenham, we've had the Champions League, we've got the Europa League on the agenda right now too. Just a, a last little spurt of football before the international break to come this weekend. We'll then be taking a week off to rest and refresh ahead of the final furlong, so I hope you both have enough in the tank for this week's show. Uh, before we get started... I know listeners have enjoyed learning a little bit more about you both in recent weeks. We had a healthy betting debate last weekend uh, with a good question from one of, the, one of the listeners, actually. But um, let's bounce back to something a little bit more lighthearted, shall we? Um, what I want to know next is your music tastes. So, Tom, being the gruff Yorkshire lad that you are, <laughs> I'm sensing you're a bit of an Arctic Monkeys man. The Cribs, keeping it loyal and local. What does Tom Love let head to... What does Tom Love put on the jukebox first? Well, yeah, big Arctic Monkeys fan, to be fair. Um, well, well read up there, Mark. Um, <laughs> but I, I am very, very varied. I mean, uh, my karaoke go-to song is Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Wow. Um, bit, bit different. I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of people might be surprised by that. Um, but, yeah, I tend to... Listen to a lot of indie music, quite into Sam Fender at the minute, and um, a couple of kind of new bands. The DMA is probably my favourite band at the minute as well. So into all kind of the indie stuff, but uh, I even listen to a bit of trance here and there if I'm on a run. Yeah, um, yeah all over stuff like that. But yeah. Put anything on for me, and I'll probably like it as long as it's it's not emo, mosher, goth music. <laughs> a bit of full-on conclusion as well, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> William, um, I'll be honest. I had trouble placing your music taste before the show, um, <laughs> so I've kind of taken the open goal offer of Scandinavia's finest. I reckon you're the one driving to Abba, requesting Ace of Base at the wedding, casting it along to Roxette. Uh, not really. Um, my girlfriend's uh, sister is actually a pop star, a little bit of a pop star in in Norway, but um, it's not really my my. Yeah, she plays uh, with a band called Madcon and has her own sort of single career as well, which um, some people might have heard of Madcon. But yeah, yeah. Um, now my my I think my formative years were maybe a bit more just a bit more standard, something like a uh, bit of indie, bit of drum and bass. But these days. I don't know, it depends who you speak to, but some people would probably say I have a good taste in music. Some people probably say I have terrible, but um, I like, I've gone, I think I've gone full old school. I don't really listen to Radio 1 anymore. I can't get into anything any new, anything new. So I'm kind of like a, a Neil Young or Bruce Springsteen fan or something like that. And nice. I can, I can agree with, uh, I think Tom put a poll out on Twitter once and I, I gave him a Neil Young record to to add to his playlist, and I do agree with uh, some some modern stuff like Sam Fender, like uh, Tom mentioned. Saw saw him in uh, a couple of years ago at British Summertime in Hyde Park, just before he was playing um, in the build up to Neil Young and and Bob Dylan. So there's some good modern stuff around still, but I can't listen to the radio, mate. <laughs> 
<laughs> love it, love it. Good stuff, guys. Always enjoyable, uh, particularly winding you both up. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Let's uh, let's move on because I think there's hopefully some money to be made this weekend. Uh, in a change from the norm, we're going to snub the Premier League. We're going to snub the FA Cup as well because we felt the time and the circumstances were right to give the South Wales derby uh, and the championship the spotlight it, it deserves, really. A uh, massive match, this, in the Liberty Stadium on Saturday evening. Swansea largely around 8-5, to five, that's 2.6. Cardiff 2-1-ish. to one-ish. Both sides obviously stuttering a little bit of late. Both sides had disappointing results and disappointing performances in midweek as well. And both sides really need the points for their promotion aspirations. So there's quite a lot riding on this, um, as well as the derby high-stakes affair anyhow. Um, I'm expecting this to be attritional. I'm expecting it to be low-scoring and feisty. Uh, I think Paul Tierney has dropped down as the referee from the Premier League show. So... Um, yeah, shows the significance of the game and he obviously likes a card this season but I imagine one of you two guys might have something something for us there uh, but yeah the last seven meetings six have gone under two and a half um, five have seen both teams no in both teams to score and five have also gone under one and a half so I'll be opposing goals but Tom how do you see this one playing out? Yeah I think that opposing goals is probably a good way in I've taken a slightly different view and kind of chancing something a, a bit bigger here that I'll come on to in a bit but I think that this this game is always a good watch I mean last season there were plenty of cards weren't they even the game early in the season um, I think there was a red handed out to Joe Rawls for Cardiff so even without fans it's shown that it, it can be quite a, a feisty affair and there's very little to separate them both. I, I saw that price on Swansea at 8-5 and I was a bit confused really why it was that big um, considering they're at home but then you've got a factor um, home kind of advantage is eroded quite a bit in these prices um, wherever you look and I kind of looked a bit deeper. I know that Cardiff have done much better under Mick McCarthy. Um, kind of slipped up a little bit of late. A couple of nil-nils and a loss at home recently too. Uh, but their their data is better than Swansea over the last 12 games. Swansea are actually ranking 17th in the league for XG ratio over the last um, 12 games. And there's been a lot of kind of talk from opposition managers, notably Neil Warnock, about Swansea getting good decisions going for them and, and getting a lot of penalties. So it'll be interesting to see the XG from open play over that kind of um, stretch of games because they have kind of been very lucky in getting late decisions going for them, turning draws into wins, which has kept them kind of ticking along nicely in the playoffs. Um I do like them though, I do like how they're set up, I just worry that they've not got that much in the final third they've, they've had Rian Brewster didn't they last season who came in and kind of um, fired them into the playoffs, made a late surge didn't they and, and got in there with that win against Reading late last year and I think that they can probably do well uh, again, I think they will come strong again, but I think that they've got away with a few results of late. And Cardiff, on the whole, have been much improved under McCarthy, kind of going to um, wing back system, three at the back, and uh, still playing Keith Amar up front with kind of two behind him. And it, it, it has worked. 
in fairness. And but I just look at the price two to one about Cardiff doesn't really appeal to me. So I, I kind of headed to the draw. I mean, you you look at the 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 low scoring nature of this game in, in the heads to heads. I mean. It has been very attritional, as you said. It's been high stakes, but um, no team wanting to give too much away. So what I've actually done, I, I looked at the price on no goal scorer at thirteen to two with bet three six five, and I thought that was quite a nice nice way in. But I'm going to actually dutch that with the one one, which is six to one with bet Victor. So it's pretty much level stakes here. There's plenty of places you can do these dutching calculators. Um, you, you give a little bit more on the 1-1 one, one, um, uh, um, compared to the 7.5 about no goal scorer. Um, so it comes out around 3.65, 3.7 um, if one of them comes in, which I think is quite a nice way in. The draw's quite a short price, and I can't really see it being a 2-2 two, two or 3-3 three, three drop here. So I'm willing to do that, something a bit different. Um, I just think that Cardiff probably have the greater attacking threats. Swansea defensively have been pretty strong this season, to be fair to them. Um, but yeah, I just think that both, both sides will probably take a draw, in fairness. Uh, kind of leave the bragging rights. Uh, to each other, so yeah, I, I like that. Um, you mentioned Paul Tierney he's going to be the referee as well. I think that that's quite a nice appointment. I remember um, back in the reverse game of this, it was the same day when Villa played Wolves, and we backed both teams over one card at a nice price on the on the Gold Channel, which copped uh, pretty easily. And that would be something I'd be entertaining again here. There's no prices annoyingly on bet 365 when i was checking this afternoon for team cards or are kind of getting cards on the bet builder they were only offering the a um player card stuff um so i kind of if you're looking at a price on that kind of a base price if you're getting around six to four or bigger on both teams over one card i'll be taking that with tierney in charge um he's actually given pens in uh, four of his last five in the Premier League as well, Tierney. Uh, but I, I would stress that there's no VAR in the Championship, so whether that drops off or not, it, it'll be interesting um, to kind of get Will's perspective on that. But I think that uh, in the player card markets, there's one that I really like, and it's a player that I've put up to score quite a few times. I put him on top scorer. Uh, each way around 33s at the start of the season. Kiefer Moore, he's a Welshman. Well, he was he was born in Torquay, but he's playing for Wales. And he's six to one with Bet365 for a card. I think that's too big. I mean, he he was one of the players carded in that uh, reverse game. He's actually averaging 1.9 fouls per game as well, which is the most out of any Cardiff player. So even though he's a striker, you usually see this with kind of big strikers. I know Kevin Davis was one for Bolton who committed plenty of fouls. Um, there's plenty of other big centre forwards who, who leave kind of the marker on centre half with elbows flying all, all over the place. And you never know if Cardiff are winning, he might be willing to just take one for the team high up the pitch. 
and he's been booked seven times in all comps this season, including uh, for the national team. So to say six to one, I don't really agree with that price uh, in a big derby with a good ref. I'd probably have him around four to one. So he will be my um, main card playing this, Keith or more. I think that's a nice price. But um, yeah, I'm kind of on board with you, Mark, in getting on a low scoring game. But I do like the draw. I think both teams will be relatively satisfied with that. And uh, Dutch, the no goal scorer and the 1 1, around 3.7. Yeah, like that. Also, like the, the shout on Kiefer Moore, big price for a guy who does put himself about a bit. Um, Will, what's your take on the South Wales derby? Yeah, pretty similar. Something I really considered as well was um, was Kiefer Moore as well. So, uh, But I did actually have a little different play. But yeah, uh, really like that bet. Um, like you say, really important fixture as well this, this time around. And yeah, I, I kind of felt exactly the same on, on head-to-heads and just derbies these these derbies have been low scoring only one of the last seven between them have gone gone over 2.5 and no surprise really that overs is seven to five um so i won't really repeat ourselves with a lot of a lot of that really i just basically agree with you and um match odds are pretty close and i I guess yeah you have noticed that swansea people might have noticed that they've been quite handsomely priced throughout the season really um, and it's actually not since <clears throat> 20 matches ago at home to Luton that they were odds on to win a game. Uh, obviously, they're not odds in here. They're, they're eight to five, but I think it just illustrates a team that's third in the league um, can be not odds against so many times for 20 matches. It's quite surprising. Um, but really, on the XG, yeah, they're just they're decent, but not really mind blowing. They're about 55% ratio, and it's just been a fair few occasions where I can recall them riding their luck quite a bit. I watched the highlights of their last two matches. Um, obviously, against Middlesbrough, there was a pen call that went their way late on, but there was also a goal ruled out by by Boller um, from the edge of the box for a foul, which it should have stood, really. And, yeah, that game could have been very different for them. And Cardiff's XG is 53%, so there's nothing really in it. And I think the, the match odds are probably about fair um, that Cardiff are slight outsiders, really. Around around nine to five, um, and yeah, I, I looked back at this derby in December as well, and Swansea were actually nine to four to win that, despite sitting third on that day as well, um, with Cardiff tenth. So, the yeah, I mean, we know there's not much home advantage, but overall, I think the the price is about is about right, and just quite surprised, or feel like people should wouldn't be that. Uh, wrong in thinking wow this is quite big prices on Swansea if they look at the just looking at the table basically but um more I, I was looking at Kiefer more as well and then just in general I was looking at Cardiff um trying to get on board with them somehow um aerially like Cardiff win by far the most aerial duels per game 35 so that's one of the reasons why I was also kind of considering Kiefer more from a fouling perspective he he 11 aerial duels a game he wins which is like m- massive majority um of cardiff's cardiff's aerial duels and they obviously also have players like sean morrison and aiden flint absolute giants at the back um whereas swansea aren't actually that much worse on that metric um they're 12th they're around mid-table for for um headers one per game basically but um Cardiff have scored 22 goals from set pieces. The next most is is just 14. Um, but yeah, strangely, sort of despite struggling as well in in midweek, Swansea 
um, against Bournemouth. Uh, they gave Billing loads of space and um, and then a poor own goal really from a, from a cross as well, which um, not obviously not a set piece, but another cross into the box, something that they haven't struggled with. They've only conceded five set pieces all season, which is the least in the league. So I wanted to try and look at more to score a header and only six to one available at Skybet. Um, he scored five headers this season, so the price seems about right. Uh, just the fact that, unfortunately, Cardiff are very good aerially. Swansea are actually quite good at counteracting that, so there wasn't really any any kind of value there, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Tom said, um, this game being on Sky means we get player card markets. We will get team card markets as well, but yeah, they're still not up. So I was looking at the player cards as well. Um, and Joe Rules has been at Cardiff since he was a teenager. He doesn't doesn't clearly doesn't like his neighbours. I mean, they haven't met many times in the ten years he's been at Cardiff. But in two starts against them, he's been yellowed um, both times, or yellowed in 2019, and then two yellows and a red in the derby in December. Um, in that game back in 2019 as well, Rob Jones was the referee, and he decided to card no other player than than Rules despite 27 fouls in the game. So I think that just illustrates the point that how, you know, you've got a derby and the only carded, only guy that gets carded is is Joe Rules, clearly quite a keen player to wears the, you know, wears the shirt with pride. Um, uh, career-wise, he's a 16% sort of card player. Um, so that suggests odds around five to one would be fair. Um, but I'm happy to take four to one. Um, clearly, he's, he's a... Uh, not a fan at all of um yeah of, of Swansea so um I'll have a go at four to one on rules to be carded with um bet 365 and yeah Cardiff have the worst fourth worst disciplinary record in the league um while Swansea are also in the top 10 for for draw for actually getting cards themselves but worth noting that Cardiff don't really draw many fouls only the third least cards against them in the league so if we do get team cards priced up I'd be looking more at Cardiff to, to pick up the cards than Swansea um, and another decent trend as well was just with Paul Tierney like you guys had said he's given each side a card in 17 of the last 20 matches he's refed so if you want to do any bet builders potentially something worth worth looking at or or Tom's favorite uh, favorite what you call it Tom the 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 bet you love doing the eight to one or something well the classic yeah the classic both, yeah both teams to score both teams have four corners. Both teams have two cards. I just don't. I'm not sure on the BTTS for this. No, game. that's true. Yeah, but you could always take that out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, rules to be carded at four to one for me. Yeah, I like uh, I like the idea of uh, the Cardiff boy who uh, hates his uh, near neighbours. Um, obviously, a nice little nugget there from Will. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Tom put his usual poll out on Wednesday to see which game he wanted us to cover from the continent. Um, an interesting poll this week, actually. Um, no obvious standout candidate, I thought, so it's going to be interesting to see which way you guys voted. Leon against PSG on Sunday night won it. Uh, Leon are 2-1 to one outsiders at home. PSG around about 5-4, to four, that's 2.25. Um, I was talking to a good friend of mine in trading about the odds and the underlying process of both teams because we basically have the top two teams here in France in terms of expected goals difference. Um, Lyon are actually averaging 0.17 xGD higher than PSG per game, which is quite interesting. Um, so even with a small home advantage applied, you know, logic would suggest a, a home minus quarter ball on the Asian handicap line would be appropriate, but it's the opposite really. And I guess the conundrum here for punters is do you follow 
the uh, the superstars of PSG to kind of come to the party in a big game and and kind of put their season-long sort of inconsistent performances to a side? Or do you back the team who've been consistently pretty good in terms of what they've been producing on a week-to-week basis? Um, he reckons the market might move slightly more towards Leon before Sunday night, which I think is really interesting. Uh, I'll certainly be watching it closely. It, could be, it should be a good game, this one. Um, Will, I'll go to you first. What's your view and, and what's your best bet on the Leon PSG game? Yeah, the first thing I did was hover over the, the historic odds bit on flash score and noticed that PSG opened at 6-4 to four and have come into 6 um, which I was sort of surprised by. Um, and, yeah, I kind of want to get with Leon now as well. And I, what you've said there, I would agree with that. Um, so maybe it will, hopefully it will swing back towards Leon because, yeah, they're out to sort of 2-1 to one now. Um, maybe those prices have been up for about 10 days, two weeks. You do get that with with top division games. Some bookies pricing up matches sort of two weeks ahead. Um, but yeah, just kind of deconstruct it a little bit. And obviously PSG's defeat to Nantes last weekend has blown the title race, title race wide open. Thank heavens. Um, it's been a while since I feel like that's happened. And it's also hotted up the relegation battle as well with, with uh, nine games to go. With Nantes were 14 to one and now they've uh, caught up a couple of their foe or competitors around the bottom um none of the top four won last time out as well so with monaco and Lille playing each other um and yeah um i'll be honest i wasn't really huge on thomas tuchel i i didn't think so anyway but since uh since he won the title last season 12 points clear before the the curtailment of the league it's becoming clearer that he was a pretty solid coach and he's joined chelsea and already had a really good impact um but just another one to fall to the sort of brutal chop of not winning the Champions League. Um, although progress was a darn sight greater than it has been in recent years for, for the Parisians. Um, and yeah, knockout football is just a cruel mistress. And I think their their recent prey, Barca, can probably attest to that as well for recent times. So um, they're going well, obviously, in that competition. And and glad that the league is creating a bit more, um, a bit more in, interest this season. And I guess that's why it won the poll. Um, Obviously, they've had a great deal of financial clout compared to their rivals in Ligue 1. Um, so the title's not been too difficult. And But yeah, Pochettino is seemingly less able to prevent his side from putting in some blunders. They've lost seven games this season. I know he wasn't in charge for all of those, but um, that's five more than Lille and, and four more than their opposition this weekend. And, and one of those seven losses was um, to Lyon at the Parc de France in, in December when Le, Legon um, outshot them, uh, in fact, holding them just uh, seven attempts as well, which is something as well that I looked further into, like you said, around the XG. Um, and there's been a, a lot of occasions where PSG have put up quite low numbers in terms of shots at goal. Even when that game where I put up Moise Keane to score two or more against Dijon, they only had, I think it was eight attempts away at bottom of the league club. So it was, it's a bit surprising. And it's something I another reason why I was trying to look towards Leon as well, yeah. Um, but yeah, Pochettino joined and they won the Super Cup and they've gone one eight, drawn one, lost three in the league since. Um, whereas yeah, their XG in that period sixty six percent, which is below Leon and below Monaco and uh, it's level with Leon, sorry, and below Monaco and Lille. Um, and yeah, Rudy Garcia's men are actually averaging more shots per game than PSG, the most in the league. Um, so. Yeah, I think another reason why they last weekend they they drew at Ron, um, unlucky not to win. Uh, lost, yeah, they won the XG one point five three to zero point seven three. So 
probably unfair on them and they'd be clear top as well if they had could have won that one. Um, and Les Rouges et Bleu uh, beat Lille 3-0 in the Cup de France, in the Coupe de France in midweek. Um, but again, it didn't really have a feel of a 3-0 game. Uh, it was a weak penalty, a save penalty for, from Lille, some poor defending, uh, a bit of poor luck from Barack Gilmaz should have scored one, uh, was unlucky to hit the bar with another and and then just finished off by Mbappe's pace and finishing at the end. Um, so I just think that they're masking things, PSG, at times. And um, I think they played Barca at the right time in the Champions League as well. Um, and Messi keeps getting linked to them and uh, maybe he might have to come back in in the summer to help them to win the title back, hopefully. Let's let's see. Um, referee is Clement Turpin, the subject of uh, UEFA's Man in the Middle documentary. He's really um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Char- characteristic? That is not it, <laughs> guy. But he's a char- charismatic guy. Um, but yeah, he's he's the lowest for for cards per game, both historically and uh, this season. Fifth lowest, sorry, not the lowest. So, um, but there's no real preference for him, him for whether he likes spectators or not. His CPG is around 3.92 per game, which has stayed pretty close to a 3.72 lifetime. So, unfortunately, can't get with cards because obviously big fixtures like this on a Sunday night, 8 p.m. in France, tend to be ones that we quite like looking at that for. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to go for Leon draw no bet um, or plus zero on Asian handicap at 23 to 20 uh, bet 365. I couldn't find anything about Neymar's injury update. There was rumours that he might have been back for the second leg league Barca, but then he missed that. And then the next two games as well. I thought maybe that might be where this price drop on PSG was coming from, but couldn't couldn't um, couldn't do that despite trawling for a bit of Twitter and and French news, but. Um, Leon have lost just twice at home this season. Um, PSG have only won eight of their fifteen or on the on the road, and this is their toughest away game of the season. So, I want against want to get against that price crash. And uh, Leon draw no bet at twenty three to twenty. Interesting. I like it. Um, what's your view then, Tom? What's your angle for PSG's trip to Leon Sunday night? I actually didn't really want to back either side in this. Um, it's a, it's quite a tough one to kind of dissect because. Yeah, PSG might appeal to a lot of people seeing them at odds against, but I've seen them go to Lorient and be battered. Um, and they've not really convinced me massively under Pochettino, despite going through in the Champions League. Um, I, I kind of looked at a few different things here, and I've ended up plumping for under three and a quarter on the Asian goal line at 1.76 with Marathon. It's a little bit shorter than I'd usually like to put up, but it basically means that you'll make money if there's fewer than four goals scored. So you get if there was exactly three goals scored, you'd make half sex profit, which I quite like. Um, I just think when you get these kind of big games, can usually we've seen it in the Premier League so much, haven't we? That teams just cancel each other out. There's such a willingness to not lose that goals tend to be thin on the ground. And I can see something similar here. I think if you look at how the goal line's been priced up here, it's looking at the, the two teams' data going forward, and both have been really good, to be fair. Um, especially Leon that you mentioned, Mark. I think that 
their price here is a little bit too big. If I was siding with anyone, I would probably side with them. I just think that they're a, a good, a real quality centre forward away from um, being genuine title uh, challengers. I think that they could really give PSG a good run for the money because their midfield is arguably better than PSG's, I think. Um, and Garcia, the manager, manages to just get everyone sorted out defensively generally and they've been very good. And I just think Pochettino is going to be well aware of the threats that Leon have in our and Depay and um, whoever comes off the bench as well, whether it's Toko, Cambi or Cadawere. They've got or Slimani even. They've got plenty of options with Leon going forward. And I think he's going to be aware of that. I think that he'll go with three defensive midfielders here. Um, or maybe like uh, play Verratti instead of attacking midfielder and play him a little bit further forward if he's about. And I just think, yeah, that, that goal line's too high in a game that's got quite a bit riding on it, I think. And I, I think it will trend downwards, this goal line. I'd be very surprised if you could get 1.76 on under three and a quarter come kick-off. So I'll put that up as quite a, a solid selection. It's landed in, um, well, 29% of Leon's home games this season. I've seen under three and a half. And um, only f- um, 65% of PSG games have gone under three and a half as well. So you'd have been paired out in, what, around 32% generally. Um, I think that... The, Getting paired out on that in a game where yeah the stakes are higher, both defensive, uh, both teams are defensively better than a lot of teams that they come up against. I'm happy to take the unders, um, especially if Neymar misses out. That's going to trend downwards. Um, and yeah, I think the cards market's quite an interesting one. It's no surprise that Turpin gets this obvious appointment for the big games in France and. I'd I'd look at both teams over one card um, if you can get kind of 1.85 or bigger. As Will mentioned, we haven't really got any markets up for this yet. And I did look at the player card prices and none of them really made appeal. Um, I, I was wanting someone like Lucas Paqueta maybe doubling up with Verratti, something like that. I think that the, there could be a couple of doubles to be had in that midfield. But the prices at the minute are, are pretty slim, and it's not really for me to back anyone shorter than two to one like them to uh, as singles. So yeah, it, it's a tough one for me. I would side with Leon if you, if you're going anywhere at the minute, but backing unders um, on quite a high line is probably my favourite uh, angle of attack. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, let's move on then. Um, business time. Time for the naps, the next bests, and the long shots. As we always do, we'll start with the latter. And Will, Will, I actually felt a bit sorry for you last week. Um, Wolfsburg scoring five goals and Woot Vakehorst only getting one. Um, I know you've had a bit of a, a rotten luck, really, with these long shots, but uh, hopefully this week is the time you turn it around. So uh, what's your long shot? A uh, bet at 7-2 or larger this weekend? Yeah, tell me about it. I'd already <laughs> calculated what to have, what's Veghorst's percentage of Wolfsburg's goals, and it's like 37%, so he should have scored, yeah, should have scored <laughs> two. But, oh well, should have been about even money, eh? But, I mean, they weren't guaranteed to score five, but yeah. Um, 
let's try again. Uh, I'm going to go for Villa versus Spurs um, on Sunday night in the Premier League, actually. Um, mainly because we've got Mike Dean and we might also have Grealish back. Um, plus, Spurs have a real tough schedule at the moment, playing tonight in the Europa League, having just lost the North London derby, and then going again on Sunday when a lot of Premier League clubs are, well, either resting or playing in the FA Cup. So the, the bet is centred around Matt Doherty. Um, and life at Spurs for him hasn't really been plain sailing um, as many might have expected when he signed there. And uh, Serge Aurier has returned to form and sort of the team sheet has had him rotating with, between competitions with the Ivorian. Um, but now Doherty seems to have cemented his place in the Premier League and Aurier started tonight for Spurs in the Europa League instead. And um, yeah, so I, I, I basically think he's going to start here. Um, and if he doesn't, you probably you probably won't come on as a sub. So on the on the bet that I'll put up, you you probably get your money back. But it's Mike Dean in charge. Um, and yeah, and then with Grealish ret- rumored to return, uh, Villa have struggled without Grealish. Um, they've won just one of six, um, scoring just three goals since his injury in the build-up against uh, Leicester in February. And yeah, uh, I had a little look and. Um, around and just to try and make sure he was going to play. And John Terry uploaded a photo um, to of them training at Bodymore Heath, and he was asked if, in the comments whether Grealish was behind him in the in the photo, and replied with like sort of eye and football emojis and stuff. So people are trying to work out cryptic clues as to whether he's going to play or not this weekend. But even if he doesn't play, I still like this bet. Um, uh, it's basically uh, let's. I mean, I'll talk about Doherty because I do think. Um, he'll start and he's had he's had four yellows and a red in 15 matches so far since joining Spurs and two in the Europa, two in nine in the Europa League um, he's five to one for a card with Bet Victor uh, and I think it's got plenty of chance even if like I say even if Trezeguet starts ahead of Grealish given that Gareth Bale was, it looks to be rested tonight he'll probably He's been featuring on the right ahead of where Doherty will play. And we everyone knows how little protection Bale gives defenders. Um, plus, Villa are the most fouled team in the league. Um, and that's not all Grealish either that's behind that stat. Uh, John McGinn is the fifth most fouled player in the league, which is really surprising. Um, and Esri Conser and Douglas Luiz are also in the top 30. And then Watkins and Traore are both fouled around once per game as well. He may encounter those players. So there's a, a lot going on. And... These two teams actually haven't met each other since um, this season because um, this game this game was postponed or, or rescheduled, like I said, from game round 18. So uh, Arsenal in the same situation as well as they travelled to West Ham this weekend in a rearranged game. Uh, but yeah, Doherty is he's a 12% carded player, um, suggesting we want around 8-1. to one. Uh, That's gone up to 27% um, carded this season. Uh, compared to last season where he was kind of just once in 36 matches uh, for Wolves uh, before signing. So he's trying hard to prove himself. He's he's not getting forward as much as he was at Wolves. He's being asked to play differently. I think it's impacted the way he plays and his fouling as a result. I doubt he'll keep up that sort of 27% card ratio going forward. But against Villa, he'll probably have to, uh, but just due to the type of play they players they have. And if Grealish comes back... Uh, really like this bet, but I, I suggest the odds would be more around seven to two. So I'll have a go at the five to one on Mac Tofty to be carded on Sunday night with Bet Victor. Yeah, I like the sound of that. A big price. Um, Tom, your long shot. Yeah, I'm going to um, 
stick in the Premier League, actually. It's the Brighton-Newcastle game that interests me. And I just wonder if this is the game where Brighton actually cut loose and get what they probably deserve. Um, I just think that we've talked about how thin on the ground Newcastle are. They managed to get that draw against Villa, which I thought was very admirable. Managed to stay in that game. and Bruce just seems to be... um, Manages to pull stuff out the bag when you kind of least expect it. And um, I just think that one time or another, Newcastle are going to get battered and Brighton are going to batter someone. Um, So rather than kind of taking Brighton to win, um, I'd rather back them on a handicap and kind of chance that they they really go for it. So I'm going to take Brighton minus two at six to one. Um, That's with Red Zone. Sport Nation, Spread X all offering sixes there. I just think that there's been rumours that Brighton might um, start Andy Zakiri as a wing-back here, just to give him a bit more attacking thrust. He's usually a striker, but Brighton have not really got the balance right. I think that's been a, an issue for them. Um, they've, they've been stuck with this kind of 5-3-2 or 5 2-1-2 kind of formation whatever you want to call it and they want to keep playing like that but the the wingbacks if you've got the likes of Feltman and Dan Byrne as your wingbacks they're not really typical wingbacks, I mean both have played centre-half a lot of the career um, but I think if, if they manage to get um, some something a bit extra going forward I think that um, they will end up putting their chances away and, yeah, I just think Brighton, at some point, they're going to batter someone. And Newcastle have been very fortunate to kind of not get battered a lot this season. So it is a bit of a hunch. I can understand why people won't really be looking at the price on Brighton around 4 to 6 here in some places and kind of not having it. I was looking at Brighton shots, uh, but the shot lines are very high. Um, so let's just hope a few of them shots go in. So um, Brighton minus two on the handicap um, appeals quite a lot to me. It's six to one. It's got a Lansoon or a letter, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. You're spot on, really. Brighton have threatened a big, big performance for so much of the season. And Newcastle have threatened to be thrashed so often. Uh, hopefully it is this weekend. Um, and all thing, good things come together. Uh, let's move on to the next best. I'll save, stay with you then, Tom, for yeah, your next best. Yeah, I'm going to um, go into La Liga and it involves the side that are playing as we speak. Granada are away in um, Will's second home of Norway against Molde. And um, they're a a side I kind of want to get against a little bit this weekend. It's been well kind of um, talked about in the press in Spain that they're what Martinez has done there as manager has been unbelievable. I think what they've got about 11 injuries um, and they're still managing to compete in the league. Uh, they've got a good home win in between um, a couple of Europa League games recently. But they're going to be emotionally, physically, mentally spent, I think. They should go through against Mulder. Um, and it's a decent-sized trip <laughs> from Granada over to, 
to there and they're playing again on Sunday and it's not even a work game on Sunday uh, against Valencia. And Valencia are a team that haven't been great this season, to be honest, and I'm not going to back them to win specifically here, but I'm kind of banking on Granada to be a bit knackered in the second half. So I've gone to the bet builder and I've gone for Valencia to score in the second half. And both teams to be carded, which is 11 to 10 on the bet builder with bet365. Um, I just think that the cards angle looks quite a given, given these two sides. I think Granada are the most carded against team uh, in the Europa League, at least. I think it's pretty similar in La Liga, too. Uh, Valencia tend to pick up quite a few cards, and Granada themselves managed to pick up quite a lot. Um, and you are, you're going to get a short enough price on both teams to be carded, but it's the Valencia to score in the second half angle that kind of gives it the most meat. Uh, it's around 1.7 on its own, which I thought was okay. I just think that they've got the likes of uh, Eunice Musa, who came to the club, who's a good winger, fast. Um, and they've got plenty of options on the bench who can just come and kind of kill the game here. And even if they kind of start slowly, um, I do think that Granada will be knackered in the second half and I want to try and get against them in some way, shape or form. And this looks like quite a sensible angle because you're not kind of relying on Valencia to win necessarily. Um, you're just expecting them to score in the second half. So 11-10, to 10, I thought that was quite a nice price. Valencia to score in the second half on both teams to have over zero cards. Um, that'll be my next best. Yeah, the theory and knackered uh, Granada team with a quick turnaround against a well-rested Valencia. Like the idea of that. Um, Will, your next best. Yeah, we're mirroring each other this weekend. I'm going to La Liga as well. Uh, I like uh, a pick in uh, Celta Vigo versus Real Madrid. Real, Real can capitalise on uh, Atleti's uh, draw at Hetafe last weekend, which... We should add was probably incredibly harsh on the visitors in that tie and and yeah this is usually quite a goal-laden game at Balaidos. Uh, 11 of Real's last 12 visits to Galicia have had over 2.5 goals. Real have scored two or more in all of the last nine against Vigo as well uh, whereas Os Celestes have been uh, lucky to take five points probably from the last four games. All of those were against bottom half clubs, although albeit one of them being Valencia and Bilbao, not clubs we usually associate with being bottom half, but uh, they've had just a 37% XG ratio, XG ratio against uh, across those four matches, which obviously weren't tough opposition. The other two being Huesca and uh, Valladolid. Uh, yeah, pre-season I had plans for Vigo for relegation. Uh, but goals from local boy Santi Mina. Four, he's had four in his last six, and and Iago Aspas on on target as usual. Plus, sort of a great end to 2020 under uh, new management from Eduardo Cudet. Uh, they they won five of six matches in in November and December, which really uh, helped them to up into the top half. So that that relegation bet is really downed. But I'm still keen to to oppose them. Um, and yeah, Los Blancos are unbeaten in nine now since defeat against everyone's bogey team, Levante. So 
they just, I mean, they've, they've hit a bit of form, really. They have just lost Hazard, who's returned last time out, but he's now injured again and could need surgery. But Ramos is back, and that brings a huge amount of confidence to the side. Plus, it also really allows them to play this back three. They probably will play with Nacho, Varane and Ramos and then have Vasquez and Mendy on the wing back positions. Um, and I, I think they'll probably cause Celta a lot of problem like that. And yeah, just going back to Vigo, really, they, they conceded 19 shots and three goals to, to Huesca and they're the bottom club in La Liga. Uh, I just wouldn't have Real at four to five to win this. They were they were four to six when they last visited um, Galicia on the opening day last season, and, and Salta finished 17th under Oscar that season. Uh, he posted a, just a 21% win ratio in his time there, and that was a big part of why I had him down for relegation, but they've obviously got rid of him, and it's sparked a bit of an improvement, but largely the same club. I don't really think that Real, in normal times, should be 4-5 to five to win um, in Vigo, especially without home advantage, really, as well, and a couple dodgy results in the last four matches. That one against Huesca really makes me question their capabilities against Real Madrid when they're when a bit, a bit of a stride. So yeah, I'm going for uh, the 11 to 10. You can get on Real to win and over 1.5 goals in the match at William Hill. Okay, good stuff. Two next bests from Spain. Now the best part of the show is the naps. Tom, your best bet of the weekend. Keeping it quite simple in League One, I'm going to take Peterborough to beat Rochdale away from home. I'm going to do the early payout offer thing with Bet365, a four to five. Um, but kind of what what I mentioned last week is if it's not far from the best price, then I'll be willing to take a bit shorter. The best price is five to six about them to win. But um, I'll take the four to five and the insurance of the early payout. It's just I think that they'd be a bit shorter than this if Rochdale didn't get a win at Lincoln last time out, a deserved win, it must be said. Um, Lincoln are kind of stuttering a bit, though, and uh, at home Lincoln have actually been quite poor, surprisingly. Um, but the same can be said for Rochdale, who failed to win in the last fifteen home matches in the league. Which is an incredible record. And um, Posh have actually won the last four against Rochdale. And I, it might even just take one goal because Rochdale have failed to score in the last three four matches. Uh, Will mentioned them last week. Um, yeah, uh, they made a mockery of my clean sheet bet, mate. <laughs> but yeah. let's hope it returns to form. Yeah. To be fair, no one, no one saw that coming. They were no. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, weird. yeah. They were, they were fantastic, and they needed to be have the front players on form. But I just think that the the pressure's off them a little bit more away from home, I guess. And really, it, one thing that a lot of betters kind of get drawn into is recency bias, and it kind of sometimes does dictate prices a little bit. And I'd have Peterborough a touch shorter than four to five here. Just look at the squad. Um, the only injury doubt is Sammy Smoddix, and he, even he might make the squad here. But even if he's not, uh, Harrison Burrows has come in. Uh, the young lad and done really well. Uh, the, posh fan, uh, the posh fans are really buzzing about him. 
Um, and then they've kind of been a little bit more solid at wing-back. Uh, two players who've actually done quite well in Ward, Butler. Um, they, they try to go to this three-at-the-back system and wing-backs. And they, I think they need a couple of better wing-backs for next season, perhaps, um, if they're going to continue with that formation. But it kind of gives license, uh, some license to Dembele and Burroughs to support. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris up front and I just think they've got too much firepower um, Rochdale data wise has not been brilliant and Posh going for um, took one of the well one of the automatic spots and I do think that they'll get it I just think they've got to win these games where they're expected to and the quality should show um, I just think that Rochdale they're not going to perform like they did against Lincoln again here. And um, I'm happy to chance the uh, price about Peterborough 4 to 5 with the early payout if they go two goals up 4 to 5. Quite simple. But I just think the, the difference in quality is massive here. Yeah, it is for sure. Uh, over to you then, Will, your favourite fancy of the weekend. Yeah, coming out of left field here, um, going for a, a bet in Spezia versus Cagliari, uh, Saturday 5pm. Both Cagliari and Spezia would have been gutted to see Torino turn it around against Sassuolo on Wednesday night. Uh, it was 3-2 win in the end for Torino, and, and that now brings puts, Spets, uh, puts Cagliari in the relegation zone. And if Torino can win their game in hand, they'd be four points off the pace, uh, Cagliari, from, from, the, from the three above them being... Being Benevento, Torino, and their opposition this weekend, Spezia. So, so an important match this weekend, really important. And Spezia means spice in English, and uh, I'd expect some in this in this tie, given the importance of that that game. And uh, have, wonderfully delivered. <laughs> we have um, we have the ref being Maurizio Mariani. Uh, he's not been too mental this this uh, this season, but he's still. Averages about 3.99 per game, which is around mid-table in the Syria for for cards per game of the 40 40 odd plus refs that have that have officiated in the Syria this season. We we have a lot of referees in in that league. Um, many doing one or two games. At Mariani's more of a, a regular on the scene. And um, Spezia as well are the dirtiest team in the league. They average 3.33 cards per game, uh, while the Islanders uh, Cagliari are about mid-table for both cards four and cards against around 2.22 uh so I, I like uh i like a card play but i also like getting with spezia um through the last 16 matches Cagliari's xg ratio is just 35 percent to spezia's 43 percent and uh and yeah the hosts have they've turned it around at home as well recently inspired by a win over sampdoria and then a, a brilliant win over uh, milan two weeks after that for spezia at home they've ended up picking uh eight points up in the last five at home uh while on the other hand perennial sort of bad travelers are kind of a regular trait of islanders across across european football really uh Cagliari, the, the sardinians have, have won just two of 13 away games uh one of those was a recently against bottom club gratone as well so nothing really to write home about on their travels um vicenzo italiano is is the manager of um of Spezia, the club from Liguria, and getting them promoted last term um, and keeping them up this season would be a, a brilliant result for him. Uh, while his opposite number is Leonardo Semplici, and he took over at the end of last month for Cagliari 
um, results have instantly improved, but we've spoken about this a lot before, how we think it's a bit of a myth, really, um, a new manager bounce. So I'm happy to to largely ignore that. Um, Cagliari are, are very reliant on, on Jao Pedro for goals, even worse than Wout uh, Weghorst for Wolfsburg. He, he, have, he scores 43% of Cagliari's goals this season. Uh, so they'll be pretty reliant on him bagging uh, to to get something from this game, and yeah, the bookies have this as a pick 'em, um, but I kind of disagree. It's seven to four about each side winning, and Spezia for me are the slightly better side. While I'm also expecting cards uh, in this fixture due to the importance of it, and and bet three six five prices on cards are looking quite generous. So you're getting twenty three to twenty about Spezia double chance and over three point five cards in the match with bet three six five. And and that's my nap. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Massive game down there. Probably a bit of a six-pointer, actually, if you look down to the bottom of the table. Uh, interesting stuff. Um, right, I think that's all the, the good stuff out of the way. Um, all that's left is really to ask you both if there's anything you haven't mentioned, which you want to mention. Now is the time. So who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll chip in here then, Mark. I think that uh, I bet that was looking at quite keenly is Frankfurt at 1.9 to be Union Berlin. Um, I thought that was quite a nice price, so I kind of did a bit more digging and I can understand why someone would want to back Union Berlin double chance here, just because of how many draws are uh, given in both of these sides games. Both top the draw table, both on 11 out of 25 games. So that's what... 22 out of 50 overall. I mean, you're getting on to a 50% strike rate combined there, which is really interesting. 3 to 1 is the price you're getting about a draw at the Commerce Bank Arena in Frankfurt this weekend. And I just think that that's quite a nice price because Frankfurt are without Amin Younes here, who's been quite, quite an impressive player, kind of linking midfield and attack. Um, the main players are fit, though, um, the likes of Kostic and Andre Silva. But they are without a couple couple of other players in Tuta, who's suspended. Um, Hinteregger's a doubt, too. And Almami Torres also out. So they're quite weak at fullback at the minute. Uh, I'm guessing Kostic will fill in as a left wing back, and maybe Timothy Chandler comes in as a right wing back, who, who's not played that much football. Um, so yeah, I think the draw is probably worth chancing at, at the prices. I think Union under Urs Fischer, since they've come up, have been brilliant, um, very solid. It's unlike most Bundesliga teams in how they operate. They're very um, regimented in how they play. Kind of this five-three-two-three, really good centre halves in Knocker, um, Potterback, and. Friedrich, and then a couple of hard-working midfielders in front of them. Very solid. I, I liken them to like a Burnley of the Bundesliga. Um, they're very kind of reliable in that way, and I think that they can nick a draw here, So, and the price really appeals, given that these two are right up there for draws, and it's just a, a stat that I thought was worth noting, and um, yeah, willing to have a little dabble on the draw at 3-1 here. Yeah, nice shout. Um, Will, anything you want to mention? Yeah, a couple. Um, one in uh, Real Valladolid versus Sevilla. Um, 
if a Campos isn't back after missing some training and a, a midweek win over Elche, then uh, the pen taker for Sevilla will be Yusuf M. Nasiri, who's been amongst the goals a lot recently. And yeah, he's 14 to 1 to score a penalty at Bet Victor against Baladolid. And the ref is Javier Fernandez, who gives 0.3 pens per game, which is about average, really. But just wait for team news on that one. So I'll, I'll just note that one, but it's not a bet unless um, a Campos is on the bench or, or completely missing. The other one is um, actually uh, just looking at Daniele Orsato. He has given each team over 1.5 cards in 10 of his last 11 Serie A outings. And it's 9 to 10 or just, just shy of 10 to 11 for each team over 1.5 cards in Sampdoria versus Torino. Uh, Osato gave a ridiculous red to Savic in midweek and the this tie is still fairly important Torino um, just had a great win like we mentioned just now um, in midweek uh, but still need the points for for the relegation battle and yeah mostly a ref play really in, in that uh, 10, 10 out of the last 11 he's, he's the fifth highest cards per game in the Serie A this season so should be should be plenty of cards there Sounds like my kind of game there, Will. Like it. Um, great stuff. Loads of really well-researched, reasoned, suggested plays from the guys. Um, some great insights, some great knowledge, as always. All that's left to say is we won't be back next week. We'll be back in a fortnight after the international break. Allow the lads an opportunity to rest um, and refresh ahead of the final furlong. Hope you don't miss us too much. Um, thanks as ever for your social media support of the podcast too. It's much appreciated. But we're going to wrap it up there. So big thanks to the stars of the show, Mr. Tom Love. Cheers, guys. Best of luck. And Mr. Will Dyer. Thank you, guys. Arrivederci. (laughs) This has been the We Love Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon.